Coming up this week, off-screen. Joel Edgerton and Ruth Negger are loving. Matthew McConaughey goes for gold. It's the final chapter for Resident Evil. And we meet Tony Erdman. All those to come and more, off-screen. This is... This is off-screen. Off-screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. I'm Case Allen. So before we start with the film news, the uh, the reviews, the box office top ten, then let's actually start with that film news. So what do you got for me, yeah. Miss? Uh, I got some sad news, but I feel like we should kick it off first. Let's just get out of the okay, way. Okay, okay, go for it. Because um, we've so far we've not had. Uh, a year quite like last year, touch oh, wood. The celebrity deaths. The celebrity deaths, although we did lose a biggie of a weekend. So, uh, John Hurt died. Yeah, this is really, so really sad. sad. John Hurt, did you see the tribute paid to him at the Harry Potter uh, studio tour, by the way? I did, yeah, because of course he was, uh, he was Ollivander. He was. In the Harry Potter films, uh, the wand maker, so we had like, like a wand vigil yep. for him. Uh, yeah, which was very, very sweet. Yeah, really, really sad. Um, also, not not particularly uh, surprising or unexpected because he had been ill for a number of years with uh, with cancer. He had, yes. Yeah, but even so, what's what's your favourite uh, John Hurt? Performance? My favourite John what Hurt performance. Well, I mean, it, where do you begin with someone like John Hurt because he had such yeah. a back catalogue? Exactly. Like when when I when I read John Hurt's name, I immediately think of the Elephant Man first. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely fair. I think of John Merrick, and then I think of Alien. I think for a lot of people, there's uh, there's there's Alien as as the biggie. I think because yeah. it's, because he had that most iconic moment. I think in Alien, uh, the film. Yeah, he's absolutely. not in the film very long, but you know, for the twenty five <laughs> yeah, minutes that he's in it, yeah. <laughs> for the twenty five minutes that he's in there, it it is it does feel like oh, John Hurt's here. We're in reliable hands, <laughs> and then of course, yeah, and uh, well, there's a whole generation of kids now that know him as you know the Harry Potter, Lawrence Smith, and of course know him as the War Doctor in Doctor exactly. Who, and he was about the the biggest possible name you could have gotten for Doctor Who. For its yeah, history. It was pretty perfect casting. Wasn't it, it really was as yeah. well, and you could almost see how he became Christopher Eccleston. But uh, <laughs> you really could because he was like a grizzled old. Chris Rackleston died. Yeah, I would say that, yeah. yeah. I would agree. But to fare thee well, John Hurts, it was a pleasure to have you in the world whilst we did. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, tell me about Gold. So Gold is yeah. the new film by Stephen Gagan. And I'm a big mm. I'm a big Stephen Gagan fan. What's what's he bought for us for people who want to well, open their Gagan he, filmography? Well, he's most known, I think, in, in recent circles for uh, Syriana. That was yeah. that was one of his. He loves his talky procedural films. His I have a moral story to tell you, and uh, I'm going to do it with big name stars and very glossy like. <laughs> and I am Michael Mann. If Michael Mann could write, and that, that's basically his <laughs> shtick, as it were. And so now he's brought us, and this is a true story. This is the story of Kenny Wells, who's played by Matthew McConaughey. You know, I think I don't know if it's a fat suit or if he's actually put the weight on. He put the weight on. He put the weight. Yeah, it's about forty pounds. I'm told. I, I saw an interview where he said he was just binging on ribs and Ben and Jerry's ice cream. That sounds about right. And it is all like a pot belly as well. It's, oh, yeah. it's, gone, it's gone entirely it's, down It is a well-constructed it is. fat belly. That's why I thought it might have been a fat suit, because it's so it's so specifically pot no, belly. It's, it's like he's got a personal trainer that said, no, eat these kind of fats. <laughs> exactly. Eat this flavour of ice cream. <laughs> no moves on Matthew McConaughey. Put it that way. Straight down. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he's got the, the bald head on there as well, and you can at times tell. Um, so Kenny Wells, in the uh, 1980s, is uh, basically 
basically a mining prospector. He's the corporate side of mining uh, of the mining corporation, and his job is purely to find new sites new, uh, for potential mines mm. around the world. Um, his father died. His father, by the way, is uh, Craig T. Nelson. Oh no way! Yeah, always welcome cameo from Coach himself. That is good casting. It is good casting because you can kind of see them as father and son. Mm. Um, so, uh, Craig T. Nelson, as his father, briefly uh, appears at the beginning of the film. He then passes away, and we flash forward seven years. Kenny has inherited the company, and it's kind of dying. It's on its last legs. Mm. So he spends his last possible dime journeying to Indonesia to meet this wild card geologist played by Edgar Ramirez, uh, Mikey Acosta, and uh, Mikey Acosta has this this obsession this theory that there is an untapped gold mine in indonesia and uh, no one believes him matthew mcconaughey takes a chance on him and the two go into business together during which time and this is bear in mind i'm talking about the the first sort of 20 minutes half hour um he basically goes through every financial hardship you can imagine and even gets malaria to boot so he then spends something like three weeks or so in a in committed yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, he spends three weeks in a tent, suffering with malaria. Wakes up, does not know what day it is. This is based on a true story. This is based on a true story, and here's a clip of what happens exactly after that. What did the report say? We pulled seventeen more cores. Not good. Not good. More in the vicinity of Crate. I don't mess with you, man. Eighth of an ounce per ton. Eighth, eighth of an ounce per what? Eighth of an ounce per time. What, what, what are you saying, Mike? You gotta strike him. We gotta go, Mike. We gotta go, Mike. We gotta go, Mike. Okay, so just from listening to it, yeah. It sounds very Wolf of Wall Street. It does, doesn't, doesn't it? It has that, and it has all the potential to go down that kind of route. And you think, actually, Stephen Gagan doing that sort of forensic, very analytical style of filmmaking yeah. that he does. If he wants to do something like the Wolf of Wall Street, I'm I'm inclined to enjoy that. Uh, here's the problem: he doesn't. And spoiler, yeah, spoiler alert: he does not. And what you get, it's still going down the same route as Wolf of Wall Street, where once he's got the gold and the film kicks into a higher gear, what you have is the 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 nightmare version of the American dream, where everyone's mm. out to get you and having all the money in the world really can't solve your problems, etc. And there's all the added pressures that come with success. Um, the big sinking stone at the centre of it all is Edgar Ramirez, who you look at in this mm. film, you just think you have no charisma. This is. And this is like the third time in a row for him. You remember when he was cast in the Point Break remake? I remember that, yeah. And he was meant to be enthralling. He was meant to be a captivating... Well, like, he was meant to be uh, the Swayze. He was meant to be Bodhi, yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing here, where you just like... The idea of this character is to have someone mm. with the personality that can live up to and play off of Matthew McConaughey. Well, see, I've seen him in things where I've really, really enjoyed him, mm. but they've all been things where the people he has been opposing... I've not enjoyed their performance as much. That's so he's bomb. had yeah. a chance to shine. Now, McConaughey, to his credit, this, uh, the bad first, this is not one of the McConaissance movies. <laughs> this is most definitely a pre-McConaissance quality level here. Mm. Uh, if, if this had been something he'd put out in 2004, you wouldn't have been terribly surprised. You would have thought, okay, he's up in his game a little, but not much. Yeah, he's, he's not doing uh, uh, Girlfriends of... Ghosts of Girlfriends Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, past. that was yeah. the one. Yeah, wow, that film, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Um, and was Michael Douglas in that as well? 
He was indeed. He was. Yeah, I remember that. He's yeah. sort of like the character that tells him what's going to happen. He's <laughs> yeah. the, the J- Jacob Marley, if you will, Jacob of it all. Marley, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a prima consensus thing. He's doing yeah. a lot of overacting. There's a lot. It, it verges on Nicolas Cage in Army of One, only without the actual shouting. You remember that weird, oh, yeah. weird film? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And the problem is, of course, you've got him overacting, and then the other end of the spectrum is Edgar Ramirez, who is sitting there basically just sucking up the air in the room, and is this this charisma vacuum, in the same way that I briefly accused Diego Luna of being the same in uh, Rogue One recently. And it doesn't quite work. And then in the middle of it all, Stephen Gagan feels like he's taking a back seat and letting it all play out as silly as possible, and it just feels daft. And then in the middle of it all, there's actors that you otherwise respect. So, uh, what's the name? Bryce Dallas Howard, for instance, turns up as a sort of trashy barmaid. Yeah. And she's really likable and really lovable for the roughly six minutes of cumulative screen time that she has all put together as the sort of faithful uh, girlfriend slash wife. It doesn't quite work. We needed Stephen Gagan in, you know, Syriana mode, uh, you know, and then doing Wolf of Wall Street. And what you get instead is same same old thing. It's a bit watered down. It's really weak. Yeah. It just it it, it it strikes out, for lack of a better term, to use its own parlance against it. It does strike out. There's, there's it's not really Wolf of Wall Street. It's like Otter. Of... <laughs> it's it's Kitten of Wall Street. Kitten That's of Wall Street. Kitten of Wall Street. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Kitten Kitten Possum of Wall Street. Yeah. Possum of Possums have got a violent Sloth, streak, man. Have they? Sloth of Wall Street. I, I don't know animals. But. Sloths would just be really slow and <laughs> just not not be asked. Just yeah. take take my mind off of it then. Give me some film news. What are you going for? I think some film news. Um, right. So your favorite mm-hmm. DC? Oh, yeah, my favorite studio. Yes, clearly. right. I have got quite a few pieces of news. They've done a lot DC in the last new. week. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they were sort of burying the lead a little bit. Yes, ever so slightly. The lead is is bus. Go on. Um, so Ben Affleck will not be mm. directing the Batman. He will not. And would you believe it took Twitter about seven minutes to start this weird little Kevin Smith is going to direct the Batman campaign? To which he was like, I've not spoken to Ben Affleck for years, and I will be the last person I would want to make a film. <laughs> exactly. Which, and, yes, although his, his TV DC work is not without merit. Absolutely, so, yeah, yeah. The Supergirl episode. The Supergirl episode recently. The, he's the done two, two Flashes, but I've really enjoyed. So I, th- I think he's just he's found a good a good place there, a good home. Yeah, I think he's. He, I think is the thing he wants to do. Legends of Tomorrow next, but uh, yeah, he said either Legends or Arrow. But um, he's actually going back. He's going to do another episode of, uh, of Supergirl. Nice, yeah. yeah. And but, this is actually just while I'm talking about Supergirl. This is not officially movie news, but mm-hmm. Terry Hatcher is going to be in she's Supergirl. Going to be in Supergirl. Is, which as is a villain, just, isn't she? Yes. I'm I'm so on board because oh, Dean Cain's already in that yes, show. So is. both the original Lois, the '90s Lois and Clark, yeah. are, are in there. They really know what they're doing. They, they do, unlike their cinematic counterparts. Unlike, right now. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, there's been some names floated so far. Um, I feel like the most likely is Gavin O'Connor. Uh, possible, entirely possible. That's possible. I would like Matt Reeves. Yeah, that's apparently who they're really big on. He's isn't it? he's also on the list, on the short mm. list as well. But he's just finishing up, uh, finishing up. He's just finishing up with uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. So oh, of course he is. Could yeah. be possible. Could be. Yeah. Could be. We'll see. Because that's still got uh, Joe Mangiello as Deathstroke attached. It's still got him attached. Yeah, they've got Jeremy Gary Irons. Old, Gary Oldman. Who is it that's playing Commissioner? Oh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons as, as Commissioner Jacked. Gordon. <laughs> Jacked all. Yeah, massive <laughs> yeah, Commissioner Gordon. Huge. Yeah, and of course Jeremy Irons, who I think he admits at this point is just paying the mortgage. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. he bought an old castle and has done it out in modern style. <laughs> really? Do you not know that, this? That does not. Support. Is it just Wayne Manor? No, but basically, that's what Jeremy Irons has done. I was listening to him on the Nerdist show recently. He has bought oh, a incredible. castle and has been doing it out one room at a time. And that's, that's wow, amazing! But uh, yeah, so um, um, let's plug the podcast. Real Jeremy's quick. Iron. Okay, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> Iron Rot, that plays it. Uh, yeah, so let's yes, put the podcast then. Uh, because the extended version of the podcast, we always have more film news, more reviews to fit in mm. after the show. We can't get in the radio edit. So pop along to uh, Acast, iTunes, Deezer, tune in. Just type in off screen and uh, download the, the extended free full extended you know, padded out version. Padded out, Rob. Padded out? That's, padded out. that's a poor uh, choice inflated, of words. Inflate stuffed. There you go. Well, I'll go with stuffed. Stuffed version. So the more stuffed version is on the podcast. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back. So, uh, well, where to next? Should we start with the box office top ten for the week? Let's do that. Number ten. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Which is finally on its, it's way, on its out, way out, I think. And seven weeks, good run. It, it crossed it a billion. Do you think it'll be around next week? Do you think it'll hang on an extra week? Or? <sighs> what have we got coming out? What have we got coming out? Uh, well, to be fair, we're going to talk about these, <laughs> the films are coming out right yeah. now. So, um, I, mean, unless... I, I don't know. I feel like there's a chance that it still will be. I don't... I think I Resident Evil think... might push it out. <laughs> if Resident <laughs> Evil does, it'll get to like nine. Well, I mean, I love Rogue One. I know you do as well. Oh, of course. Yeah. It was it was such a great experience. It's a great experience to go back to as well and see a, a couple times more. Yeah. Um, the... it, was, it was a film that I didn't think was necessary when I saw it, and I was like, I'm so happy they made this. Exactly. What And what higher praise can you give it? Number nine. Jackie. Jackie, which I, I quite liked. I mean, let's, it is I've a, not seen it yet. It's a talky um, art house story of funeral planning. And essentially, yeah. Essentially. With, you know, how, with how you plan a, a, a state to, presidential funeral. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I feel like... That was a working title for it. Yeah, exactly. I feel like at this present political moment, it's the story we all need <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yep. so we've got this performance at the centre of it. Natalie Portman as uh, Jackie O. I mean, she's still Jackie Kennedy at that point, but, you know, who yeah. we're going to know as Jackie O. We know o. as Jackie O. And uh, it, it's almost a madcap performance in a way. It is very... Uh, she really does embed herself within that that particular parlance that... Uh, mm. You know, the sort of cadence that Jackie had. That, yeah. that, that, that really sort of iconic voice. Absolutely. If, if anything else, she totally looks the part. Oh, she well. looks the part. She sounds the part. Mm. And she even manages to act the very, very weird part that it is because she's she was an unusual person. She was, mm. you know, she was Diana before there was Diana and she was the American version to boot. That's a good point, yeah. And she plays it perfectly. But anyway, this is the kind, the kind of film you wish the Diana movie had actually been. Instead of uh, an utter trash fire. Exactly. Instead of a garbage film for garbage people. Number eight. Speaking of, Triple X, Return of Xander Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, you know what? There's some explosions. Have you been on the, the, um, their Instagram uh, no, page? No, I have not. It's great. There's an advert on it, yeah. and I, I don't even know really how to explain it. It kind of looks like there's two Instagram videos going on. Yeah. Um, and do you know the bit where there's like a wave and stuff? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Donnie N's character crosses from like one video to another. Oh, okay. It's, it's really weird how they've done it. I, I will have a look Just at check that. Check it out. It, it looks better than I am describing it. Well, it looks cool enough, and ridiculous. This is the thing. That, that scene with the wave, that kind of sums up everything wrong with Triple X Return of Xander Cage, which mm. they forgot to put a word the in somewhere. But, um, yeah, it's just. Oh, it's just that annoys me. It, it, I'm it, never going to be able to see that. It's like the apostrophe in Bridget Jones's baby. Oh, that's the worst. You know? that's the worst. Um, but this thing, when you get to that session, that, that sequence, the wave sequence, you'll have seen it in the trailers, and they're on motorbikes that then convert to jet skis, and mm. then he rides it under a wave. And that's about the point that you sort of mentally check out of the film, because even in its worst moment, the sequel, the Triple X 2 or uh, State of the Union, whatever, had that even in its worst moment, which was the awful CGI bullet train (laughs) chase sequence. Yes. 
was still something that was sort of set in the real world. <laughs> mm. This kind of Somewhat, takes yeah. it to a level where we're now playing without the laws of physics. We're now playing without any kind of believability. We've, we've given up even trying to have this take place in a real world, and we're just going for a subpar Fast and Furious knockoff. And ultimately, that's what it feels like. And it pains me to say that about a movie in which Donnie Yen gets to be cool and Ruby Rose gets to run around looking all sexy-like with a big gun. I'm very happy for that as a film, provided you, you at least make it somewhat tonally believable. Number seven. Raise. I don't know what that is. I, I, I don't know either. I presume Bollywood film. Wasn't press shown. Didn't see it. Too bad. Number six. Fire. Which I loved. Have you had the pleasure of this yet? I will see it at some point. Well, it's yeah. it's really, really good. It's one of those films that if you are inclined to... If you're if you're a naturally cynical person, then you'll scoff at it. And That's me. Probably, That's me. Probably isn't for you, maybe. But Dev Patel is so good in it. Yeah. He is so good. And Nicole Kidman. He's, so, so good he's just it. so likable. He yeah, is. even in the worst of films. Yeah, exactly. even, even in Last Airbender. <laughs> even in he's, Last... he's still like, oh, it's it's the guy from Skins. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's such a great performance. It's um, a heart-wrenching true story tale that they do allow to just unfold chronologically in its own time, more or less. And I really like that about it, rather mm. than just let's just keep relying on the flashback thing. There are flashbacks in there, but that's not how the story is told. And I respect it for that, which I think is quite admirable. Um, I did really like it. I thought it genuinely worked as this sort of heartfelt drama and yeah i'm kind of on board for that so news me up, news. Mr. um are you on board with uh daddy's home too i'm on the fence with daddy's home too because i don't know if there needs to be i don't think there needs to be a daddy's home too i'm a little bit like you i was i was surprised with how much i enjoyed the first daddy's home i really I, loved it yeah i really did not don't, I just didn't think I was going to like it. I didn't think I was going to laugh. And then the bit with, with Will Ferrell and the motorcycle yes. was great. That but is just violently... Isn't it? More violent than you think it's Violent gut be? punch of a, of a joke, that one. Absolutely. And then there's like a sting in the tail right at the end of a yep. cameo. And fantastic. there's Thomas Hayden Church running around being oh, great. He's probably the best thing in <laughs> he's it. Fantastic. He's incredible. Yeah. He's great. But anyway... There is going to be a sequel. There is. We were getting that. We're getting Daddy's Home and mm. Bad Moms 2 as well. We are, which so, we'll probably talk about in a bit. Yeah, okay. Uh, but Daddy's Home 2, uh, they're currently in talks with uh, John Lithgow and Mel Gibson. Oh, please tell the me cast. these are grandparents. So these would be the grandfathers. Oh, my... Okay, yeah. So it's, so, it's got to be called Granddaddy's Home. Yeah, surely. that's that's brilliant. If So I'm going to imagine then that John Lithgow is obviously Will Ferrell's father. Yeah, and you see, that's, Mel- that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. But do you know what would be even better? If they'd flip that over... Ah, so, so yeah, so Will Ferrell's yeah. character like a proper tough macho dad. Yeah, that kind of works as a gag. I feel it? like I'd prefer to see that. You realise um, that's not happening. It's clearly going to be the oh, obvious. absolutely. Yeah. But you know, I'm clearly smarter than them. Yeah, well, <laughs> Mr. Trick. But yeah, Mel but um, that'd be cool. Dad, that's yeah, brilliant. That is that is good. That's, that's fantastic. Great. I'm but, so um, glad that Mel's apparently back. that is going to be out uh, mid-November, even though they've not fully signed the contract. This yet. mid-November. Yeah. Oh wow. Because apparently these things take like a weekend to make. <laughs> Well, they usually do if they've got the rock in them, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it's can fit them. He just does like a squat for us, and like a new franchise pops out. Exactly, yeah. that's totally what happens. So let's talk about Tony Erdman then. Yes, which so Germany, <laughs> so Germany. Right. So on paper, this is the most terrifying concept for a movie you've ever heard, and that's when you just read the words Germany and comedy. Well, yeah, one hundred and sixty-two minute German comedy. Let's not forget. Oh, really? Yes, this is nearly three hours long and i am not 18 minutes shy of three hours 
And uh, believe me, you do feel it. You do feel, I wish this was an hour shorter, mm. but uh, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, <laughs> right. This is the story um, of a put-upon uh, woman who's... Uh, she's a, a father and daughter who are estranged from one another. She's gone into, uh, you know, corporate shill work. She doesn't particularly find her job that fulfilling. She's working out in, over in... Uh, in uh, because either Bucharest or Budapest, because there was a, a joke about the confusion at one point. Mm. Um, <laughs> into her life one day comes her father right her father decides to enter her life literally out of the blue motivated by the death of his beloved dog right so far so german so far so german this is textbook german absurdist comedy if you can imagine yeah. it um he, he's not quite a regular guy he likes to put in false teeth and wear a wig and play characters in the real world. So at one point, someone delivers an Amazon package to his house. He answers the door in his natural face, claims that it's for his brother, who has just gotten out of jail for sending people package bombs, or letter bombs, and that he needs to come to the door. And he goes, puts on a wig, comes back, and answers the package. And it's it's that kind of character. He enters his, his daughter's life, and of course... She's not that thrilled to see him because of his wacky exploits, as it were. And uh, he winds up accidentally attending one of her work functions, where he unexpectedly befriends her boss. They mm. then get invited along for drinks, and basically he becomes her way into the social inner circle. But at the same time, his presence starts to... as and, oh, Sorry, he becomes a fictional character as part of this ruse as well. So he invents Tony oh. Erdman. Yeah, right. okay. his name is Winfred, sorry, and he becomes Tony, Tony Erdman, Erdman at this work function, and he's sort of caught in the line, has to stay there. She starts to warm to Tony Erdman, and that his presence in her life then it causes her to question what she's doing, where she is in the world, and quite, you know, where her loyalty, where her, her aspirations really lie, what she wants to do with herself. Mm. And it's, uh, it's a really shockingly funny film. And also... <laughs> Say for 160, it's not a laugh a minute, so it's not 162 laughs. I mean, <laughs> that would be a lot. I would be exhausted. I really would. <laughs> but, <laughs> Again, chest pains. <laughs> but it is as much about. It's very much a dramedy. It's marketed as a German comedy. It's more of a German yeah, dramedy. It's a dramedy. But it's a dramedy that's genuinely funny mm. and genuinely dramatically moving as well. Do you oh. think? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, this is Germany's entry uh, for uh, best foreign language at the Oscars this year. It is. Did it get the nomination? He did, and it's also a tip to win. This is probably the most successful well, one it went so down far. Gangbusters at Cannes. It yes, was it really it huge. It won so many awards, and yeah, it, it's one of those films that does have its supporters. It was touted for Oscar Oscar glory quite early on, it seems. But uh, and it's not hard to see why when you see the finished film. It's absurd, and it's it, it really pushes its luck with its mm. runtime. You say you could lose an hour, but the reason it has that runtime is because. Um, well, the writer-director, who's uh, Marin Aid, has basically decided to allow the characters to breathe and unfold and converse, for one thing. These characters actually do stand around having conversations. I mean, like, general, day-to-day -day conversation. Just chit-chatting, as it Shit were. Shit So you've got Sandra Hula as the daughter, Inez, and you've got... Uh, P I'm going to try and pronounce his surname. It's going to kill me now. Peter Simonaschik. Simonaschik? I'll go with Simon Aschick, yeah. Simon Aschick. And he is... Kind of sounds like saying Simon Aschick a little bit, but let's, let's move um, on. But he's, both of them, absolutely terrific. And she gets what actually might be the toughest scene in the whole film, and it's this third-act uh, birthday party for herself that she throws and accidentally turns into a nudist party. <laughs> uh, Excellent. This, this plays nearly unbroken for about 25 minutes. 
genuinely, this just, without cutting away, this just goes on for 25 mm. minutes. And it's just Sandra Ulla and her workmates stood around unexpectedly naked. And it's, you wouldn't think it, it does work. It is, it's actually surprisingly well written, given that it's, you know, for its length and you know, the, the time it spends laboring out its characters. Uh, it's surprisingly well put together. It's directed with that very, um, 90s American indie sort of an eye. In the Miramax wheelhouse, mm. if you can imagine to do it. But, uh, yeah, I really liked it. Didn't expect to. But I did like it. I mean, is there something That's you're going to see? Uh, yeah, um, but I'm probably not going to rush out to my local <laughs> art house and, you know, buy wasabi peas and drink a Merlot while I watch it. I'll probably wait until it just That's comes, that's probably, comes online the, probably the ideal way to experience Tony Urban, actually. But like I say, it's bonkers. It is utterly bonkers. But it will charm you and it will enthrall you and it will just pull you in and you will come away thinking about it you'll still be thinking about it long after you've left the screen it, it's it's definitely something it's also got one of the most iconic sort of furry costumes you've seen in a movie for some time and they furry costumes a, a right. furry costume okay um <laughs> i think it's a bulgarian one as well but uh, it it's it's deranged and you kind of have to you kind of have to be there to, to get the gag, but yeah, really works. Great performances, well put together. I enjoyed it despite the fact that it was a 162 minute German comedy, which shouldn't really work, <laughs> but, but it does. Kind of does. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen. And we're back, dear wingman. So, what shall we review next? Let's go to the final chapter. Of that franchise, <laughs> but I can't believe it's still still I can't a thing. Either. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Unlike Underworld, yeah. I, I know people who like Resident yeah, Evil. Yeah, to be fair, and there's a couple that I can just watch and just be like, I'm having, I'm having fun. I, I maintain that the first and fourth Resident Evil movies are actually not bad. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. because the, the first one obviously is the, the, the progenitor, and then the fourth one is this sort of weirdly, weirdly engaging standalone one yeah. that largely takes place in a prison and has Wentworth Miller as part of its cast I because that. yep. that's a weird in joke. Wentworth Miller wants to escape prison. Okay, fine. <laughs> and they actually Meta. did they did make a prison a prison break gag in it as well, which you think okay, out of place, but it works. I saw it. Him, uh, an episode of Buffy the other day, really old episode the fish of one. Buffy. Yes, yes, the it's fish, weird. the, the swimming team episode. infected yeah. by fish demon stuff yes but yeah um yeah really like that episode okay so <laughs> we're back paul ws anderson is making his triannual uh, return to remind us that he married lilu so that's paul ws anderson not paul thomas anderson yes paul ws anderson who's the less good of the two one day i just want them to just switch just like <laughs> paul thomas anderson makes uh... us an evil <laughs> Right, so the idea now is uh, enough time has passed since the zombie outbreak of the T-virus in the first movie. It's now 15 years, and these movies have actually been occurring in real time, it turns out. Yeah. It's, it's they're, they're cognizant of it being 15 years. And uh, humanity has been dwindled down to pathetically low numbers and, uh, and will cease to exist entirely within a matter of days. So Alice, who's played by uh, Mila Jovovich, as always, makes her sixth appearance and decides, <laughs> I'm going to go back... Back to the Umbrella Corporation from the first movie, where it turns out they have a cure for the zombie virus. <laughs> because in 15 years, this somehow never came up. <laughs> so in doing so, she has to team up with the holographic Red Queen, from who's been the you know the antagonist of this whole series, and go back into the the secure base that this all began. And I'll tell you what, we have a clip of their of their their would be bargain. Here to gloat. My satellites show there are 4,472 humans remaining on the surface of the Earth. 
They will cease to exist in under 48 hours. What do you want from me? You want me to say that you've won? You've wiped out humanity. No, quite the opposite. I want you to stop me. To stop me. Behind you. So as you can uh, hear from the clip, it's it's another day at the office for the Umbrella Corporation, and it would be Rebels. Um, as I say, you were amazed that the series is still going. I'm amazed it's still going. Um, and much to my annoyance, this movie begins having having come after a movie that ended with one of the greatest cliffhangers of any movie ever. You wouldn't have thought it. Resident Evil pulled that cliffhanger out of the bag last time around by having all its surviving characters on the roof of a, a, a you know an aflame White House with zombies surrounding them from all sides. And it looked like when the next movie began, we were going to be in literally the greatest zombie fight any movie had ever seen. This movie begins months later (laughs) and just tells you, yeah, you know, this guy turned on us and that happened. So basically, there is an entire movie's worth of plot that seems to have happened between the last one and this one. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe they, we'll get like in a few years we'll get one, but it's like in between the two. It's like they planned it for seven movies. They got told, no, no, you're ending it on six. Only one thought, more. Okay, we'll bin we'll bin what we had planned for six, and we'll just make seven. Then it does feel like that. Um, there is a little bit of sort of circling back. Obviously, with going back to the events of the first movie and things like that. There's a lot of narrative sort of arcing, a lot of taking it back to where it came from. Uh, there's a revisit of the laser grid sequence from the first movie, for instance. Although this time, yeah, well, this time not the. Joy of seeing Colin Salmon get sliced up because you really felt for him, didn't you? you I always feel for Colin Salmon when bad things happen to him. Like an arrow. Exactly. (laughs) Um, There's a little bit of that, but it's not the grand finale you'd hope for in this. There's a couple revelations added, because you know the whole storyline's been going on about, she has the Jason Bourne storyline basically, which is she doesn't remember where she comes from. Right, we finally get the answer to that. There is the definitive ending to that story put in place, and there is something of a resolution to it, albeit one that's slightly open-ended it ends in a way that makes you think okay we actually could have resident evil 7 off of this it's not outside the realm of possibility let's give it three years and i'm sure we will but you know it's the same old i mean it's it's breakneck in its momentum this movie starts with you know mila jovovich killing you know people left right and center and then doesn't let up for about an hour takes about an hour and this is only like a 90 minute film it's it, it really doesn't let up it it's the closest I've felt to that movie Ultraviolet that she did. You know, the, oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, it's dreadful. It's horrible to sit through. <laughs> it's a real chore at times. But you know what? If you've stuck with this series for five movies already, odds are you're going to be fine sitting through a sixth. Mm. I mean, if you've never seen any of the Resident Evil movies, then by God, do not start with this one. I mean, start with the fourth by all means, but. Just don't start with this one because the mythology is so packed. And yeah, don't, don't watch this and then work your way back because <laughs> that won't make any linear sense. <laughs> it's so dental, you can't penetrate the story at this stage. Yeah. I mean, it's telling that it opens with a previously on Resident Evil sort of segment. Amazing, it does. I mean, literally that season of Resident Evil, <laughs> it is. it's like Miller Joe is saying. So my name's Alice. I did this, 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 and this. <laughs> yeah. And then you watch it, oh yeah, I remember that bit now. Oh, is that the movie that that came from? Okay, fair enough. And oh yeah. yes, Colin Salmon was in this one. I'm just, I'm looking at the cast list of the previous films, because mm. it's been a while since I've seen them. Oh, really. this has Ruby Rose it's, in it, by the way. Oh, yes, it does, because yeah. it's a film in 2017. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's been some crazy people that have just been in this film. Oded Fier. Oded Fier, yeah. Yep. Uh, Ian Glenn has been in a few. Oh, Ian now. Glenn is back. He's in now. this one. Yeah. yeah, he's. I think he's the central antagonist this time around. But mm. he serves in sort of a Joker in Suicide Squad kind of a fashion. And I see. Yeah, uh, your main villain is Wex Wexler Wexler. 
I think, and who's this a character that could only exist in a PlayStation game, where the, you know, wearing sunglasses and a full leather suit, mm. you know, slick back blonde hair, big square jaw, that kind of character that only exists in in the minds of Japanese animators. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, if you if you're a fan of the series, you can go enjoy by all means. But if, if you don't like this series, avoid this like the play because it's arguably the worst one yet. Alone. This is the worst one. Yeah, it, it ends on kind of a whimper actually compared mm. to how good the series has been briefly in other times. Like I say, it's a bit of a shame. I want to watch the fourth one again. Actually, I quite like that one with the prison. But uh, I'll be up for watching it again. Let's do that at some point. I think is that the one that introduced Ali Lata? I believe I so. Yeah, because yeah. she's and she's she's, back she's in, in this one as well. But yeah, you get Ali Lata, you get Ruby Rose, you get a bunch of anonymous red shirts that you know just, just get bumped off. Yeah, sure. exactly. But uh, Ruby Rose though had a better role in Triple X. I'm just going to mm. say, and hopefully we'll have an even better role in John Wick Chapter Two. So hey, Ben. Yeah. Who is the smooth black detective? who has been in loads of films and was also played by Samuel Jackson. Are you trying to ask me who's the black private dick as a sex machine to all the chicks? Shaft, about- I shaft. <laughs> well, I, then I can dig it. Uh, yeah. We're getting another shaft. Because, <laughs> we are. Yeah. We are. And is this, is this is going to be directed by Tim Story, I want to say? Yeah. So, who has a good choice. Who has the best name for any filmmaker? Exactly. Yeah. It's being written as well by Kenya Barris, who runs Blackish on TV. Yeah, who is doing the uh, White Man Can't Jump. That yeah. remake, yeah. I yeah. have just started watching Blackish from the start a couple of days ago. I've never seen an episode. Do you know what? I'm really digging it. Okay. I'm really cool. into it. But, Isn't um, Lawrence Fishburne yeah. in it? Yeah, yeah, as a granddad, and he's, he smashes okay, it. Okay, I'll he's give it a incredible. go. I like Anthony Anderson. You should, I, so. I think you would love it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a show. go. But yes, yeah, so a Shaft is coming. Uh, who would you like to see as a Shaft? Uh, Sterling K. Brown. Ooh, that is good. Yeah, I right now I don't think you can get it better than that. Yeah, that is amazing. Unless casting. you go uh, older Shaft and stick with the cast of uh, American Crime Story to get Courtney B. Vance. I know who I'd get to be Shaft. <laughs> who? Mackay Pfeiffer. All right, if this film has been made 15 years ago, <laughs> Mackay Pfeiffer's your man. <laughs> yeah. Is Mackay Pfeiffer about 50 there, about 60, 50 now? Is I don't know. Me? I mean, when, when did ER finish? When, when did he die on ER? <laughs> I don't know, because he keeps turning up in TV shows. I'm like, good God, he's just not aging. He's got to be a good 50 right, by now. Yeah. But, uh, that, that would be my pick anyway, Stone K. Brown. Because there are a bunch of really cool black actors from the sort of mid to late 90s yeah. who never really got their time in the sun, like Tay Diggs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see someone like that get a bit of a resurrection and yeah. become Shaft. Like, imagine Tay Diggs, a Shaft. I'd like to see Tay Diggs as, like, Anything the older... Anything ever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see him in uh, in uh, the Green Lantern Corps. I'd like to see him Ooh, as, like, an older, that, that older John Stewart. Because I'm, I'm a big fan of Go. And he's in that. Like and he's go, he's yeah. so likable in Go. But yeah, so Shaft, Shaft, I'm looking forward to that. Shaft, yeah. Should we finish the uh, the top ten for this week then? Why the hell not? Number five, Hacksaw Ridge. Loved it. You saw this as well. Yes, didn't you? blood and explosions and legs everywhere. It's great. Mel's back, and he's as badass as ever. And he's yeah. really going for some of that Saving Private Ryan terrain here. And Andrew Garfield has never been better. And Sam Worthington is actually watchable. And as Vince, is Vince Vaughn is. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. What is going? What, what, what is happening with the world? Donald Trump is president. Up is down. Black is white. Sam Worthington is good. If you told me a year ago that Mel Gibson would get a genuinely brilliant performance out of Vince Vaughn and Sam Worthington and Luke Bracey, I'd probably believe that Donald Trump would be president more. Yeah, yeah. you would, wouldn't you? If you Absolutely. could hold those two things, yeah, yeah, you're like bonkers, both bonkers. But I'll believe that Donald Trump won more than I will more than that. Uh, Mel Gibson. But uh, yeah, and here we are. See it. It's great. And wow, I mean, this is, it's one of those where you see it and think, okay, that kind of throws the Oscar thing for a loop. Cause I actually wouldn't be surprised if this just became a surprise winner. Yeah. Randomly. Well, but it won't. It won't. It won't. But, but, yeah. but I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's great. You wouldn't be terribly shocked. Would you? Number four. Split. 
split, which, you know, it's out now. Most people have seen the twist. I, I still have not. You still but not. someone ruined it for me today, despite no. me saying... I've not seen it yet. Oh, I'm sorry, So man. don't say anything. Yeah, I'm and then sorry. the person was like, oh... Then yeah. this happens. And I was like, well, oh. I figured it out because I'm not a complete dunce. Friends of mine who have asked... Uh, I, f- I figured it out. Yeah, so. Friends of mine who well, have asked genuinely, what is the, the twist? I go, okay, not a twist, but... Um, when I've told them, they're like, it actually made them want to see the film. Mm. Which you think, okay, that's something good, I suppose, that comes out of having it ruined. But, you know, and also, you know, if you ask me, I'll tell you a spoiler, but I won't offer it freely. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's got, a great, it's got a great pair of performances in the lead. Uh, from uh, Anya Anya Taylor Anya Taylor Joy and James McAvoy, they're great. The film just isn't though. Shyamalan's directing fine, but the film just doesn't have the weight behind the script, and you feel like there's a lot of terrain in in its concept, in its you know its multiple personality concept, the idea of of you know manifesting physical conditions through different personalities. That is interesting. Just the film really isn't. Number three. La La Land. Which, does anyone dislike La La Land yet? Uh, yeah. Not me. <laughs> really? I like it. You've I like met it people who deal. dislike it? I've met people. I have read comments of people. Uh. It's because it got nominated for 14 Oscars. Uh, and The backlash. There's, there's always a backlash. There's, there's always, always a backlash when it's one film that just completely dominates. And I think the difference with being, we've not had that for a good five, five years, four or five years. Well, we've not had a film that's had... A, a staggering number. No. Not since Return of the King, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Return of the King's the last one I can remember. That was the last film that I can remember. Maybe Slumdog, because Slumdog won eight. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. But like, for the last few years, it's been like, mm. they'll split the best picture and best director. Yeah, like when or you like, had Gravity and 12 Years a Slave. Exactly. Yeah, we've, we've had that for... You'll get one film where we'll get like all the techie awards, like Mad Max, mm-hmm. and then one film will get like best picture and best director. And like then Martian gets some yeah. all, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with the Scott Christ. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I really like La La Land. Um, I think the casting the casting is why it works. I think the casting yeah. and the stylistic direction of Damien Chazelle. But I don't like the uh, the Panavision. Is it Panavision? Yeah, I yeah. I, d- I don't mind that as much. It's kind of in, in keeping with what they're going for. Did you hear that Miles Teller uh, has almost fired his agent for losing him the film? <laughs> Because he, well, he was offered this, but um, it was a dispute about pay. Oh, okay. So he turned it down because he wanted six and was only offered four million. Oh, uh, well. I mean, if, I were, if I'm really honest, I think Miles Teller would be better off trying to sack his acting coach, but it'll be. Number two. <laughs> Trainspotting T2. You love that, don't I you? Do. Is so it T2 Trainspotting or Trainspotting T2? Uh, it's T2 Trainspotting, but I'm calling it Trainspotting 2 because okay, there is enough. one true T2. Yeah, there is only one true T2. He's exactly right. Um, now, have you seen Trainspotting yet? Not yet. I've been pretty no. busy this week. Um, it's. Do you know what? It, it's it's a welcome return to familiar characters. It's nice to see them back. And obviously, this obviously was a lot of fun to make, and you can kind of see it on screen. And the enthusiasm is kind of infectious. The problem is that the film is a victim of its own success in one way. It wants to convey the ennui of middle age, the the crisis that comes with you know the, being the forty something guy. And the problem is that the film feels like that. Absolutely feels like what it's meant to, but you know, so you've got to give it kind of a win and a loss at the same time. Um, if you like the first, again, if you like the first one and you want its obvious and worthy sequel, then see this, but don't expect the sort of you know the the Brit pop fever fun of the first one. 
And I know I'm describing Trainspotting as fun, and I have such a difficult time with this, I apologise. Just to point on people liking Trainspotting, that is a film that I've never met anyone that doesn't like it. Really? Yeah. Ah, okay, fair enough. But that, understandable. It is a classic. And it yeah, does remind it you of better times, doesn't it? Number one. Sing. Saying, well, yeah. I was, I was going to have an Ed Sheeran button, I'll be honest. I <laughs> thought, that's why I, I took a pause, I took a beat for a second. Next time, next yeah. time. Oh, this is made... Oh, oh. I, I, will, I will quit. Okay, <laughs> I will fine. straight up it's walk. Um, this has made a lot of money. To be fair, T2 Transpoint has made loads yeah, as well. Yeah, so but who did more But Sing has a weekend of previews added onto its box office takings. Sense so why it's actually, got yeah, it's got t- two weekends, whereas Transpoint uh, has one. So that's actually kind of a trick, and that's what you get with animated films. Very sneaky, Dr. Jones. Very sneaky. Um, yeah, I really like Sing. Uh, I think it, it has a very simplistic concept that it manages to make work in spite of in spite of how you know narratively stripped down it really is. You've seen it a thousand times. Um, but you know what? It's that all-star cast, it's some likable characters, and it's some infectious pop songs. You know, what can you say to that? With the latest film news and reviews... This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back and dancing. Uh, our next review, by the way, which I'll, mm. I'll do some news before, but yep. our next review, you've actually seen the film before me for a change, which... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Just a nice little random yeah. oddity there. This is what happens for Oscar season. It is, this yeah. So you want to give me some film news real quick? I do. Um, so this portion of the film news I'm going to call Cute Kids... In scary films. Okay, what you got for me? So, Millie Bobby Brown Ooh, yeah. is going to be in Godzilla 2. Should we explain that Millie Bobby Brown is 11 from Stranger Things? Because most people just I know her as 11. I was going to get to that. Yeah. yeah. Like, no one, I think, it's, actually it's, knows it's a her bit name. Of, it's a bit of a mouthful of a name. Just know her as 11. Yeah. The girl that eats Eggos. Yeah, exactly. I guess yeah. girls bleeds when so she's, she's angry. Be, she's the first person cast in Godzilla 2. I think that's what I find even more interesting, is the fact that she is the lead. Yeah. Like... I'm on board with that. Like if that's, that's what cool. if that's what it needs, then great. Because the the last week something didn't quite work with Godzilla, and you know something... it was the focus on the human characters. I just did not give. No, I just yeah. yeah I know what you mean. Yeah, you don't you mm. don't you didn't particularly care. Especially once it was it was also the... marketed on uh, on Cranston. That's sort what of I was being, saying, Yeah, yeah. Once they got rid of Cranston, you sort of like checked four, out. like four minutes in. Yeah. Like, what, why am I? Why am I still watching this? You've got rid of the only reason I'm here. Oh yeah, and Godzilla. But yeah. <laughs> you sold it to me on Brian Cranston. Yeah, you sold me a Brian Cranston movie with two of the Avengers in. That's it. Um, why, why am I still here when you get rid of the half of that? Yeah. But uh, cool. my other bit of news: Go on. Uh, Jacob Tremblay is joined the Predator. Yes, you're a big fan of Jacob Tremblay because you were a really fan am. of Room, weren't I you? I was a huge fan of Room, and yeah. also he's going to be in a film by Colin Trevorrow. Yes, it's, it's, it's called the. Book of Henry. That's it. That yeah. looks really, really good. He's doing one that's based on a best-selling novel at the minute as well. Oh, uh, the kid with the facial disfigurement. I forgot yeah. what it's called. But, but yeah, I forget the title. But yes, it looks he's, like he's, he's got a lot of cool stuff coming up. But that is particularly interesting. Let's hope yeah. he. Uh, let's hope he, he keeps his his youthful, yeah. childish uh, sort of screen appeal and doesn't Hopefully, go the way yeah. of Haley Joel. Let's just hope. Let's hope. Let's, let's hope. hope. No, let's but hope. I think what's even better about this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's a child actor. Shane Black always has funny kids. He in does, film. doesn't he? Yeah. So this all but confirms that Predator is going to be a Christmas film. <laughs> oh man, I want to see a Predator materialise in front of a tree. Oh man, I need that effect. <laughs> but and it's coming out in March, so that doesn't mean anything to Shane Black. Yeah. No. <laughs> Christmas is all year round. Christmas in your heart. He released Iron Man set at Christmas in April. Yeah. So you know. 
<laughs> right, let's talk about Loving Them, mm. which is actually a really clever title, because it's not just tonally uh, appropriate, it's not just narratively appropriate, it's the <laughs> it's surname of its characters. So, Richard and Mildred Loving, uh, who are played here by Joel Edgerton and uh, Ruth Negger, and Ruth Negger we mo- mostly know from Preacher and Agents Age of S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield. Yeah. yeah, and also Misfits. Was she Misfits? She was a Misfits I don't know. Is she English? She's not English, is she? Uh, she's Irish. She's Irish. Yeah. Oh, okay, it all makes sense. Oh, but she doesn't particularly sound it. She doesn't, no. Um, Joel Edgerton, of course, you know from being that guy from that thing <clears> in just about every major movie of the last 10 years. <laughs> Although, more, more, more importantly, he was the lead in Kinky Boots. So, uh, oh, yeah, no. I love Kinky Whatever Boots. Whatever Lola wants, Lola, Lola gets. gets. But I'm putting that on my dog's <laughs> right. Uh, tracker, by the way. That's oh, going really? to be her tracker noise. Fantastic. Uh, Chewy tell Edgy for singing that. Anyway, um, <laughs> you're just hoping she gets lost now. We have to use it. <laughs> yeah. Right, so um, they were married in... Uh, they lived in Virginia. They got married in the, the, the late 50s? Around then, yeah. Around the late 50s. Uh, they got married. It, although they were known as a couple in their area, and it was it was seen as perfectly fine to everyone else, into the into the mix comes a kind of aggressive sheriff, played by Martin Sokus, who I'm always happy to see, because no one does uh, salivating villain quite like uh, Martin <laughs> Sokus lately. Um, he turns up and decides, I disagree with this marriage. It's technically illegal, so you know I'm going to have you tried Do and exiled from the state of Virginia. They, of course, are then forced to leave their home and their family behind. Um, she, of course, is pregnant at the point that they leave and decides she wants to give birth at home with her family. They sneak her back in. They're caught again. And years, years later, the ACLU get in touch with the Lovings and offer to support their legal case against the state of Virginia. Sending them a lawyer played weirdly by Nick Kroll, of all people. And I'm convinced he's, gotten, he's been sent Michael Shannon's script by mistake. Because Michael Shannon then cameos, and it's just like, what? Yeah. What, 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 well, Mark Shannon cameos because it's a film by Jeff Nichols, and exactly, they're best friends. Yeah. And he, he is a very Jewish lawyer, exactly. so I feel that's why Nick Kroll fit the bill. Well, we have a clip of uh, Michael Shannon's cameo. You go to the Virginia State Court next, right? Yes. You nervous? I suppose. Mm. The lawyers told us not to expect much. You think you'll lose? Well, yes. But I think it's all right. We may lose the small battles, but win the big war. So Ruth Negger's uh, Mildred uh, Loving there speaking to... Is he from Life magazine? I think the, I the journalist. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, do you know what? It, it's weird, isn't it, that in the two minutes that Michael Shannon's on screen, you just think, and think I wish you were in all of this movie. I'm always <laughs> I so happy. I wish she was in all of every film. Yeah, I'm so happy to see Michael every Shannon. Films. <laughs> Even Me Bad too. Boys 2. I'm just happy to see him in there. Because <laughs> we like to forget oh, that Michael so Shannon great. was in a Michael Bay movie. Hmm. But, uh, yeah. Uh, right, so this has got all the buzz, and it's all directed at Ruth Negger. And you think, okay, I can see why in one sense, and but there does feel a little... Because I don't think she's the most impressive of the pair. I think Joel Edgerton actually brings it more. Joel Edgerton's got a really fine balance behind this quietly angry man and someone who's just intimidated by the world. And I really, really love that performance. I never thought I would come up and go, wow, Joel Edgerton was amazing in that. I've liked him in a lot of things, though. I, I've always found him kind of forgettable. I think Warrior. I liked him in Warrior, actually. I think he's good in Warrior. I love him in Animal Kingdom. Yes, I'll go yeah. with that, actually. Um, but yeah, Ruth Negger I, I, I like as well. But it's, uh, it feels like her performance is given a lot more opportunity to be a lot more showy. 
Okay, yeah. yeah. She gets more of a showcase. That's, I yeah. mean, she gets more of the show. She actually gets the obvious Oscar moments. Edgerton doesn't, and Edgerton still kills it. They are both great, though. The problem, I think, with the story is, again, it's a victim of its own success. So what uh, Jeff Nichols has kind of done here is he's kept the focus on this on this more domestic story, on this the story of the married couple, and kind of chosen to ignore the wider political context of what's going on. So you don't really you don't see any of the civil rights movement, for instance. It's not something you see in this, and it keeps it squarely on the couple. I mean, and and you think, yes, okay, brave decision, mostly pays off. But there are times you think, could we just have like a newsreel clip or something? <laughs> But uh, I did find it moving. I did find it passionate, and it was heartfelt. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I found that. Did as well. you Did you enjoy it? I did. Um, there's not been a Jeff Nichols film where I've not really enjoyed. To be fair. <laughs> That's fair enough. I've liked, enough. I've liked before that I've seen. I've not seen uh, Shotgun Stories, but um, yeah, I find it to be a really, really great filmmaker. Do you think this is uh, the great Oscar contender that it's made out to be? Then no, no. Well, it was nominated for one Oscar, and well. and that was. That was a big surprise. Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic performance. It's really mm. good, but this has been the most stacked Best Actress field we've had for a long time. It's very true, isn't like, it? Like when when Amy Adams can't get a nod for Arrival, <laughs> something's and she was in Nocturnal Animals. She's pretty good in that as well. But um, yeah, but uh, one of those things again. And this is the problem with a lot of the Oscar films this year is you have to use the term timely. Yeah, and this is very much a timely film in, in it's an important in, film yes it's an important there are people saying it should be shown in schools and yeah. I, I do you know what i'd be on board with that the people same thing about think, uh, um what's it called hidden figures oh okay. i was gonna say that about denial as well i should think should be shown in schools but uh yeah i mean great movie and all absolutely great movie but you know what it's coming in the middle of a pretty impressive oscar season yeah um, we've we've been uh been pretty blessed we've been pretty year. spoiled this year mostly yeah. by manchester by the <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. oh, so i mean film of the week the question is what do we give it to resident well, evil yeah resident evil that's totally. that's totally gonna be the thing uh no i'm uh, oh man i i can't believe i'm doing this i'm gonna give it to tony erdman yes I yes did, germany did not expect it so you win germany you win and you know, congratulations on your 162 minute dramedy which won me over to no end and yeah did you expect it i didn't i did not i did not at all and yet i loved tony erdman i loved every minute of it um so yeah next week is going to be an interesting one again i think you've seen a couple of next week's films ahead of time yeah and uh, what is out next week what fences is out next week yeah so uh, which i i hear good things about i've not had the pleasure myself yet uh we have also got the lego batman movie next week so excited are you excited about that so excited for that Uh, we've got bitter harvest next week we've got 20th century women next week uh we've got prevenge next week We've got Love True, we've got The Space Between Us, and we've got, and this is a really unusual one, this is Ang Lee's 60 frames per second movie, uh, Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk. I almost forgot that was even a film. You forget that it existed? Because that was going to be an Oscar push, and then yeah. maybe just like, oh no. He's filmed, he's filmed it in HDR, yeah. HFR, isn't it? HFR yeah. it's called. And this is going to be even more even more frames than the Hobbit movies were. This is. Uh, don't make me angry, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> exactly. So we've got all those to come, and more next week off screen. This has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. In the meanwhile, I've been Van Connor. I've been, as always, Case Allen. And we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com.
podcast extras, Ben, Mr. Connor. Oh, you've been looking forward to this, haven't you? I have. <laughs> loads of news this week. It's loads of news. Not that many films to talk about. I know, it's, it's been great. a really quiet week. This is because they pulled the press show for Rings. Oh, um, I bet you were utterly crestfallen. I really was. I wanted to know what happened if you watched the video on YouTube. But do you have to forward it on? Is that how you get out of the loop? I think so. Is that, is that the, Do we watch it online? Is uh, that the there's a point in which I think someone finds it online, and there's a bit in where everyone on a plane sees it. And yeah, <laughs> what really? Yeah, it's on the monitors on every monitor on the back of every seat on an airplane, and you see everyone like dead. That's cool. And yeah, so there's there's there is. An idea at the core of the Rings franchise has yet to be explored, which is let's interface it with actual technology. But, uh, 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 but yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll see, we'll see when it comes out. On generally, <laughs> RT if you want to live, <laughs> <laughs> like if you want to live. <laughs> Please share to three friends, or you will die in <laughs> yeah. seven days. Uh, yeah, it's not a particular film that I am looking forward to, but I did see an amazing marketing prank Go on, by the team. Um, I do know this. I think yeah. I didn't watch it, but I heard about it. It's, it was really good. Yeah. Where um, they like take people into like a TV store, mm-hmm. and um, they're like it's people just wanted to buy a new telly, and they're saying, yeah. "Oh, it's it's got these specs and whatever." But behind them is the girl from the video, like actual real girl, yeah, actually Samara, and then she uh, comes out of the TV. That's it's bad. like a fake television, and then she like <laughs> falls out of the TV. I don't know why I'm doing the actions because nobody can see me. Yeah, yeah, she she calls out of the TV, and then uh, she like. Terrifying oh, people that's there. Brilliant. Yeah, it's really, really good. It reminds me of that, that. That is on YouTube. Do you remember when uh, Curse of Chucky was out? And there was yeah. a, I think it, was, it might have been in Denmark or Germany, there was a bus ad for it. Mm. And they actually filmed people like interacting with this advert. And then, like, uh, a little person in a Chucky, a Chucky costume would actually run out at them. That was fantastic. Uh, and also, do, have we spoken about Chucky, by the way? There is a new Chucky coming. There is there? new, and it's it's huge, a huge deal for me. I forgot what it's what's it called when you. It's want? the cult of Chucky. Cult of Chucky. And this, it, it's weird because what they've done is really clever. They've actually because I don't know if you know, they've got three storylines going on mm. that they're kind of all left hanging. These three storylines, and they're now doing the seventh one. That's gonna seventh. Hang on. So bride seed, bride's four seeds five. Curses chick. Yeah. Uh, Curse is six. Sorry, yeah. Curse is two. Um, yeah, they're now doing the seventh one, which is going to combine all the storylines. Merge. Merge. So the idea is it's going to be a, se- a direct sequel to the last one, in which the lead was played by Fiona DeRiff, Rad DeRiff's actual yeah. daughter. And uh, cool. at the end of that movie, she basically took the blame for all of Chucky's murders and was sent to a mental hospital. The new movie is going to be set in that mental hospital, and Chucky's back, and he's being used as a therapy doll in the hospital. That's genius. Exactly. And get this, Andy Barkley, the character from the original trilogy, who actually got a bit of a resolution as a post-credit sequence of the last movie, is going to be back to try and help her in the hospital. However, Tiffany is also there. And that sounds good. Because she's still human, I think. Mm. She's human again now. She possesses uh, Jennifer Tilly from the Bride and Seed continuity. And so she's going to be trying to help him. This sounds mental. I can't wait. This, I mean, it's being filmed in, like, you know, Toronto or somewhere. But, <laughs> because everything's cheaper in Canada. It's being filmed there for, like, three mil or something. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> but uh, yeah, this is... I'm so happy. Cult of Chucky. I mean, of all the sequels I'm looking forward to this year, I've got to admit, that's, t- that's, that's topping my list. Yeah. But, so, go on. What have you got for me on the news cycle? Got a few interesting pieces. Um, let's go. Let's go back to the DCEU. Okay. Because uh, Aquaman has got some new people. It has. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Nicole Kidman 
has been cast in it. And she was rumoured to be joining the Wonder Woman. That was it. She was rumoured to be in Wonder Woman. And I yeah. think it went to Robin Wright, didn't it? It did. And I think... Or Connie Nielsen, one of those two took it over for her. One of the two. But I, th- I think it was just like a schedule class. Because mm. evidently she still wants to be within that world. Um, she's going to be Aquaman's mum instead. Look, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, you know... Um, Atlanta is her name. Well, fair enough. They had Rene Russo as Thor's mum. So this is kind of oh, comparable, comparable yeah. I think. Absolutely. Kind of yeah. works. Yeah. Kind of reach that age. Jason Moe's Ma. And also, we're going to have a Black Manta. Yeah, we are. Which I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Which is, they've actually gotten a black guy to play Black Manta. So, yeah. okay. Progression. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a guy called uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, which is a great name. And he's from The Get Down, isn't he? He is. Which I've not seen, but I know he's just lost loads of money for Netflix. I've seen like two episodes of it, and I'll be really honest, I couldn't be bothered to carry on. No, come on, Baz. Just I, I have a hard time with Baz Luhrmann. I, I do. like Baz. I like Baz, but it just it depends on yeah what, yeah. what he's peddling this week. Yeah, and uh, I do not like Greg Gatsby. I do not like Australia. <laughs> I love Moulin Rouge, and I love Strictly Ballroom. I have and I love never Rouge seen Moulin Rouge. I, I can't say I've ever seen it. Do you know when we meet up with our respective significant others? Yeah, just don't say that to Cassie unless you want to watch it for the first time. <laughs> Because you will. <laughs> that's fair, that's you'll fair. Be, you'll be forced watching. Is this it. like me and Big Ass Spider, where I keep making yep. people watch Big Ass Spider? Yep. You made as well. Well, to be fair, I wanted to watch it. And it is awesome, isn't it? Didn't oh, you, didn't you that, love that intro? I just love that intro. But, creep. Oh. No, it was, it was Where Is My Mind? Oh, Where Is My Mind, yeah. By uh, Storm Lady or Lady Storm or something like that. Yeah, And because it's, it's really slow yeah, down it's here. It's one of my favourite intros to any movie ever. Like I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say the first ninety seconds of Big mm. Ass Spider are up there with the first ninety seconds of Way of the Gun, for me. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that Greg Grunberg is like sort of like a mild recurring character in the Flash now. Yeah, he turned up he didn't he recently. Turned it up. Yeah, I'm quite happy about that. But I was happy to see him in Star Trek Beyond. I'll go yeah. there. Hey, um, about this as well. What else have we got? We got. I don't even know what to do next. We've got so many pieces of news. I'm <laughs> just spoiled for just news. Go through them in order, man. Spoiled for news. Let's let's stick with with the DC then. Just, okay. Just get it out of the way. Uh, the Flash is getting a page one rewrite. Yeah, hasn't Rick fully uh, Yuka or f- oh, how do I say his name? It doesn't matter because he's not on the film. He's not doing the film anymore. Um, he's yeah. quitting now. Yeah, the guy, the guy who did Dope, who I think could have done a really good version. Um, he's not there anymore. Yeah. He's gone, so they don't have a director. So they've decided to just scrap what we had. Go <laughs> How back. Cursed is this movie? <laughs> well, you've I mean, you've seen the Flash, too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, wow. Yeah. When are these people going to realise you already have a great Flash? He's on TV, same as your Green Arrow. There is actually nothing to stop them crossing this over now. We, they've the TV when, has, when the fan base is that big. Yeah, the TV series, the TV universe has established the the mechanism for you know what it could just be in another universe because that's how Supergirl's part of it. Because Flashpoint. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just blame it on Flashpoint. That that's what we do. Yeah, but, blame everything on Flashpoint. That's but yeah, so I mean, is that that's going to be the third writer on that, isn't it? Because Seth Graham Smith was oh, the first Oh, at the draft. very least. Yeah, Seth Graham yeah. Smith, and then there was the dope guy. Well, but more than that, because um, uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord did a, did a oh, treatment on it. Yes, that's right. No, I thought yeah. Seth Graham Smith wrote it from their treatment. But, oh, possibly, yeah. But yeah, <sighs> but even so, I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll hear something within this year. But um, It was supposed to be coming out next year, 2018. <laughs> but... Family-sized multi-pack of who cares. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Moving very swiftly on. Uh, let's talk about some more remakes, because okay. there's always remakes being remade. There's always room to remake. 
Yeah. So this came out of nowhere for me. Um, there's a film that I really like, and I possibly shouldn't like because it is a bit silly, called Every Which Way But Loose. I thought you were going to say The Duff, but okay, go on. Every Which Way But Loose, yeah? That's not silly. That's a great, great I just film. want to point out that, you know, to most sort of people under the age of 40, <laughs> yeah. Every Which Way But Loose is more known for the, the bit in Shaun of the Dead than it is an <laughs> yeah. actual film. When he's, he's being played. Yeah. yeah. When Nick Frost does it in Shaun of the Dead, that's how most people know that film. <laughs> I'm not a performing monkey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. The, the Clint yeah. Eastwood monkey movie. That is it. It's the Clint Eastwood orangutan movie. They made a sequel, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Uh, every Which Way You Can or something. Yeah, Every Which Way It Looks and then Every Which Way You Can. Yeah. 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 Which um, I've, no, I've, not, I've not seen. I've never seen the sequel, but I just, First one. Oh, man. Yeah, but that's, that's been remade, and I don't... <laughs> why? Why of all the films? Why just, of all the Clint Eastwood films, one thing? Yeah, you just, you, it's one of those that you can look at and just think, how did that meeting go that morning when someone pitched that? It seems like like the desperate last pitch you give before you've pushed yeah, out of the room. Yeah, I feel like it was someone that was trying to write something, and they were just watching Netflix for inspiration, <laughs> got pissed, woke up at 4am, and that was just on. And they were just like, great. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it. It does. It just does feel like the desperate last minute. I couldn't be bothered to do my homework, so I'll just pitch this. It does. It does indeed. <laughs> Didn't have a cinematic universe he wanted to map out, but he thought instead, I'll just pitch a remake of Every Which Way But Loose. Unless this is going to be a shared universe apes film, and, oh, be, and be, <laughs> <laughs> the la- the last shot of War for Planet of the Apes uh, is the orangutan mm. just just going off into the distance, and then you just see him like get into a car. This feels like as well. It feels like such a middling project that you're like, how long before Emil Hirsch signs as the lead? Uh, oh my god, I bet he's signing the papers right now. Yeah. It's such a middle of the road project, like Emil and, Hirsch. And, to- and Toby Kebbell's going to be doing the mocap. Yeah, yeah for clearly. The, yeah, for the totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, we spoke about the Scarface remake. Yes. Yeah. yeah this is good. I've one. got uh, news to the power of two. About this. I know these, but please give me them in yeah. whatever order you prefer. So we've spoken that uh, it was supposed to be the next one for uh, Fuqua. It's going to be uh, Mr. Fuqua. Mr. Fuqua. Was this to be Antoine the Fuqua. next Fuqua film? This is going to be the next Fuqua film uh. following Magnificent Seven. Ah, uh. that is no more. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. which is a shame because I feel like I could have done a pretty could have done something version. interesting with it. Yeah. yeah. So it was going to be transposing the action from uh, Miami to LA. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Where most of its fans live now. But, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's got a reputation of just like one of the gangsters' favourite films, isn't this, it? This was the thing. You know, when Train Spotting was coming out, I, I, I was talking about the legacy of Train Spotting to other film critics. Mm. And because a lot of them were, you know, a lot of the critics are older than me. So when Train Spotting came out, a lot of them were sort of in their late 20s. Mm. And my response was actually the weird sort of legacy thing for me is that. In all the years since Transport, to this day, it is the po- is one of the posters that every student accommodation living room Everyone has on the it. wall. The choose, yeah. yeah, it's that and the Scarface poster. Yeah. <laughs> Those are basically the two most popular posters. Those two, and then Fear and Loathing for some yeah, reason. That is coming up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Fear and Loathing. Um, but but uh, yeah, so he's gone, but we may have a star. Oh, I have heard this, yes. Yeah, as you just described as a charisma vacuum. <laughs> Let's hope he does better with this one. Yeah. It's not Edgar Ramirez, don't panic. <laughs> it is Diego, Diego Luna. Luna. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Hunter S. Thompson, I'm, I'm by the way, that. have you heard this story this today? Is, this is the Johnny Depp one. This is the Johnny yeah, Depp yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll let, let you tell it. Johnny Depp paid $3 million to fire Hunter S. Thompson's ashes from a cannon. Yeah. That's... Brilliant. That's and then just it, bonkers. Just coincidentally enough, I was also reading an article again today uh, about Johnny Depp that said that he's he's losing so much money 
every month because he spends two million dollars a month. Right. He's, he's he does. I was reading in this yeah. article about what his expenses breakdown is. It's three hundred thousand just for staff. So wow. yeah, but also if you can start firing your mates from cats. <laughs> <laughs> There is a, a series, by the way, that's sort of been and gone in the last week. It is a six-part comedy series in the U.S. called Embeds. All right. And it's uh, it's by a CNN embed reporter, former CNN embed reporter, who was an embed on the Sarah Palin campaign. So he has right. written a six-part series about the exploits of a crew of embed reporters on the campaign trail with the sort of uh, milk toast candidate going through like, Iowa. Yeah. And uh, one of the characters is obsessed with Hunter S. Thompson, really wants to be Hunter S. Thompson. And there is a moment, there's an older character whom they all dislike because he's middle-aged and they're all in their mid-twenties, or, or early twenties. And uh, it's only one of the later episodes, he just suddenly reveals, yeah, I knew Hunter S. Thompson and he'd have hated you. <laughs> And I love that moment, so earned. But, cool. uh, what else you got for me? What else have we got? What else do we have? Right, the Lara Croft film. Oh, yes. That's coming out. So, Dominic West, Sheffield lad, uh, McNulty from The Wire, he's going to be Lara Croft's dad. I met Dominic West years ago, and there were there were a load of women around. And uh, I mean, as I'm sure they always are. They always are. Yeah. Uh, but they were swooning all over him. And my favourite part was, it was not long after Appropriate Adult had come out. In, oh, which he, in which he played Fred West. And they were genuinely starstruck getting him to do his impersonation of Fred West. It was the most... <laughs> Amazing. Surreal. And these women were basically fainting at, at, you know, at this impersonation. I'm like, this is the weirdest, most surreal That's thing surreal. ever. You are impersonating one of the worst killers in British history. Yeah. <laughs> and women are lapping it up. It's Dominic West, handsome but, man. So yeah, Dominic West. So tell me more about the movie. We've got the uh, movie comes out uh, next year. Forget the exact. I think it's May. Is it next May? year? It's, it's going to be a summer thing. It's going to be summer. an early summer flick. Absolutely. Um, uh, what's her name? Alicia Vikander. Alicia Vikander. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, she's going to be uh, Lara Croft herself. Don't we have a good villain? We've got a great villain. Yeah, Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins. Who just oh, makes yes. such a good villain. Such a great he bad really guy. Does. And remind me, who's directing this one? The director of this film is Raw Uford. And that is what you must hear every time you say the name Raw Uthog. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, Raw Uthog, who of course brought us, um, was it, it was The Wave, the wasn't wave. it? The Wave, yeah. Which I was a huge fan of, I really liked The Wave. Yeah, me too. And it's on Amazon Prime now, which I'm, I'm very happy about because yeah. it means I can recommend it to more people. I can't wait until this film comes out and we can just say his name every week. Do you want to do it one once more? Uh, do what? Say Raw Uthog. <laughs> That's never going to get old. <laughs> never. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of happy about that, actually. Dominic West as the dad. Also, because it's pitching oh, yeah. it younger than it did last time around. Last time around, we Absolutely, got John yeah. Voight uh, was Angela Jolie's on-screen father, mm. as well as a real-life father. And now we've got... I mean, there's only 14 years between them, yeah. in reality. But I think we'll, we'll age him up. Or, as you said earlier, it might be in flashbacks. Yeah, it entirely could be. I so... We shall see. Um, the Han Solo film has started shooting. It has officially. It is in production. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So the working title is currently Red Cup. Love it. Which is amazing. Isn't it like, solo, like it, a solo like A cup. Star Wars story. Red Cup. Red Cup, that, right now. That's yeah. fantastic. That Which is, obviously, that's not the official title. That's the working clever title. Clever title, though. Very it? clever. Mm, you won't expect that. anything else from those, those two guys. But uh, I think we have, I think we now have confirmation as well that Woody Harrelson is going to be playing a character that fans of the extended universe will already know. Yeah, I've forgotten his name. Is it Shrike? Uh, Strike? Something like that? Something like Something that. Something like yeah. that, but he is the mentor figure to Han Solo. Yeah. Which I can't wait for. Please make cool. it like Zombieland. Please. Oh, I, I, I would love, love to see. 
I'm going to go off and save the universe. Uh, that'll do, pig. Love that. Love it. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I still haven't seen Live by Night, and chances are I never will. Really? You're not missing an awful lot, if yeah, you're honest. Yeah, I'm not. Um, one of us are missing a lot. It does seem so. $75 million worth. <laughs> oh, wow. They have said they're going to take a $75 million bath on it, but um, home entertainment, sales, TV licenses, is going to soften the blow some. a little. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, these kind of films were always somewhat of a risk, unless they're like guaranteed Oscar bait. And mm. you kind of, you kind of thought this was gonna, this was gonna be an Oscar film, uh, an awards. Uh, we award had film. this conversation, Chris Honeysett and I, the other day, and he just expressed disbelief that. I mean, this is generally what he said. He said, uh, "How did anyone think it was going to make money? It's not like Public Enemy set the box office alight. This works for no one." <laughs> well, it, I, I can't disagree. To be honest. Gangster films have been popular, of course, just within like the last ten years. I mean, obviously, well, but it's not Ryan, since... Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone couldn't successfully sell a gangster movie because that was a flaming pile of exactly. We've got to go with that. Like when it's a good one, when it's The Departed, that's mm-hmm. fair enough. Is that a gangster film? Are we calling that a gangster well, film? Of course, we're calling that a gangster film. Okay, uh, it's about the Boston Mafia. If, you, if <laughs> that's not a gangster film, what is? Okay, I'll go with that. But <laughs> the rat stands for irony. <laughs> There you go, Marty. Where's your Oscar? <laughs> but no, I, th- I think mm. the reason why everyone thought this was going to be such a huge success was because it was, it was Ben Affleck. Yeah. It was the fourth film we've made. Mm. It's, it was three for three at that point. Yeah. Warner's had such faith in him. It was coming off Batman. It's disappointing, isn't it? It really yeah. is. I kind of, I really wanted it to work out for old Ben, but no. No. So, um, I have some news about some new projects. New original projects. Okay, go on. I'm always always a fan of originals. Go on. Well, originals slash based on true stories. Mm -hmm. But, say, I love this news. And I can't believe I love it so much because it contains the words Michael and Bay. Oh, wow. Okay, that's never a good thing when you say those words. It's never, but he is producing a film called Little America. Oh, yes, I did hear about this. This just sounds amazing. This sounds bonkers, sounds incredible. Yeah, so it's set in a post-apocalyptic America with a... Certain president, or so, yeah, it's a Trump style, a Trump like, a Trump, Trump like, sorry, Trump like uh, uh, president mm-hmm. at, at the helm, and um, China have got involved, sort of like financially because they basically America own com- America, yeah, because America yeah. is completely bankrupt, and it's sort of been based like an escape from New York. That's kind exactly of, what I yeah. heard. Yeah, so there's a guy who's been sent in to go rescue a girl from this complete desolate America. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds great. This, I mean, when yeah. when when's Gerald Butler starting this? Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, he's going to finish up a weird space weather film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The space weather. What was it called? Geostorm. Geostorm. That's the one where he's a satellite engineer yep. who has to fix the weather system and save the president from assassination because this because. Film- that was just two scripts. But, yeah. Do you know what happened? Somebody was walking down an alleyway with, with, with two scripts, dropped them both, and yeah. then picked it's them up. It's the Family Guy chocolate and peanut butter. That's what it, it is. is. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, what other originals have we got? Then? Go on. Um, okay, so uh, Naomi Ripace and Ethan Eyes of Hawk, Ethan Hawk oh, are yes. going to be in a film called Stockholm Syndrome. Oh, no, no, the film's called Stockholm. But oh, it's, it's about not, oh, Stockholm it's about, Syndrome. Uh, yeah. I thought it was just going to go Stockholm Yeah, the Syndrome. film is just Stockholm. It's just called Stockholm. But, so I figure, you know, there's going to be a box set with that, and Munich, and... Oh, yeah. I mean, the third, what else we got? Uh, oh, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> just think of another country. Paris, Texas. <laughs> 
I could totally yeah. work. But this sounds like a really interesting story. This is the story of how that came about, isn't it? Yeah. About how that condition became popularised. Yeah. So um, some hostages of uh, some... We were bombing a bank? It was a, it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a Stockholm yeah. bank. A Stockholm bank, yeah. yeah. Of hostages of, uh, of uh, bobbers of, of a bank. Uh, they sort of like developed like an affinity for yeah, bank they bonded with they, they, yeah. they bonded with them and then they turned on the people who were trying to rescue them from the kidnappers can we be really honest for a it second sounds great I, I know that you know that's obviously how the term got popularised but let's be really really honest for a second most people who know about Stockholm Syndrome learnt about it from Die Hard yeah that's, that, that's how most of us know <laughs> because of that moment in Die Hard um, have you got any more? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of bits. What? Uh, Michelle Williams has joined uh, a film called Mid Nineties. Yeah, this is sounds cool. This is the uh, debut, isn't it? The debut of uh, of Jonah Hill directing debut. That's absolutely fair yeah, play. It sounds yeah. cool. It sounds it sounds like a coming of age story in like the mid nineties. She's playing uh, the lead character's mum. Oh, fair enough. That, and I think she's. It's going to be sort of a an eight mile type performance for her, isn't it? Yeah. Because she's yeah. sort of a, a an abandoned mum, as it were, yes. who sort of has an overdependent relationship with the son, who's the main character, yep. who goes on a coming of age journey through skateboarding. Yeah, okay. Maybe lords of dog, da- um, lords of Dogtown. Sounds kind of a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, what else have we got? Just a thought: is the implication that Jonah Hill was a teenage skateboarder? Because I need to see those pictures. Possibly, I really need Are to. You see saying because he he is a larger, huskier gentleman? No, I, I just I can relate to uh, Jonah Hill because of his constant uh, his constant weight fluctuations. Yeah. So yeah, because he, he, dro- he, dro- he dropped loads. He, he did. dropped loads, and, and then, then put, put it back, back on, on for for war dogs, which no one can explain. But, no, because <laughs> the, definitely not. The guy did not look like that. No, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's just going method. Have you got the Michael well, Pena one on there, by the No, because that just happened whilst I was in the car. Can so I, you can, uh, you can, can tell, I tell me about this. So he, it's a film called, is it Extinction? It's Extinction. Extinction. I'm, I'm going to really excite you. I'm going to I'm going to make I'm going to make you want to burst from that seat in in sheer ecstasy. Um Michael Peña has been cast as the lead in a movie in which humanity has been sort of taken over after an alien invasion and a man is haunted by recurring dreams of his family's deaths and in order to avert them he winds up becoming a force for rebellion on planet Earth and this is from the writer of Arrival. Yes. Yeah, I, amazing. I thought that, yeah. From the writer of Arrival comes this. How how awesome is that? Mikey Pens, man. All on board for that. Yeah, I'm I'm All totally on board. on board for that. Please give Michael Pena more lead roles like this. Yeah, because the leads he's had that I've seen, not not been. Have you watched War on Everyone yet? No, I've not. Uh, worth checking out. He's got he's it. got something interesting to do in that. Actually, I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah. What else have we got? Um, oh, did you hear what James Cameron said about the Alien franchise? Oh, yes. I've heard about this and Terminator. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to yeah. get to that. So, first of all, James Cameron said that what is the point with carrying on with the Alien franchise? He doesn't see that it's relevant. doesn't think it's been relevant. Should have stopped after two, I think. Should have stopped after said. two. Yeah. After, after one I did. He, he was literally just like, said. Point? I'm sure he literally said at one point that only his and Ridley's were any good. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And do you know what? I. I will always go back and I'll watch that third one and I like it. I do. I do I like as well. I, I, I love the final like 10 minutes, but uh, yeah. it, the problem with those final 10 minutes is it does feel like it's coming after a missing 40 minutes. It does. But the, the, it feels that. like there's 40 minutes missing from that film. Um, but yeah, he said like the opposite of Terminator, didn't he? Yeah. It was just, he oh. said the uh, alien just has got no... I do have relevance anymore. <laughs> and then a few days later, which is fantastic, yeah. said that Terminator is still relevant, 
I'm going to make a new one as a producer. I'm going to get Tim Miller, who made Deadpool, Deadpool yeah. to make it, which I'm... Don't get me wrong, I am on board That's for that. That's fine. I'm on board for that, absolutely. I just want to point out, though, that he's talking about Terminator still relevant. They literally just did a Terminator movie about iCloud. And it was and it the sucked. worst. It was awful, wasn't it? It was terrible. Can I give Terminator you... Jellyfish. Terminator Jellyfish. Can I give you some film news that oh, yes. just absolutely amused the hell out of me? I'm pretty sure you won't have seen this. Um, there is there is an, a, a sort of... What do they call them? Art conglomerates? Uh, art collective. There is an art collective in LA called Everything is Terrible. Have you heard of them? No. Right. They have. <laughs> you can love this. I'm trying to find the budget that's on here. There is genuinely a budget, and it is absurd. They had an art installation. I believe it was put together through Kickstarter. Right. And uh, they have opened, as an art project, a video store in LA. Okay. The video store only stocks one film, but it stocks 14,000 copies of one film. And what is that film? I'm going to show you a picture. Just to prove that this is real. (laughs) They only stock copies of Jerry Maguire. Of all the films. (laughs) It's true. They have 14, and only on VHS as well. They only have one film on VHS as Jerry Maguire. Um, It gets better. If you go into the store, they play clips of it. They they have posters up. Um, They even, and this is my absolute favourite part, they even have Jerry Maguire video store membership cards. This is in LA now. It is the most bonkers thing. I'm sure it's something like 200 grand they've put this together for. Some people just have... Yeah, this is for $5 donations and they've put together for something like 200 grand. You just think... Wow, that is bonkers. It's a lot of, like, empty blockbuster shells. <laughs> just <laughs> litter in America. Uh, I know. That's just that's deranged, isn't it? Uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, because uh, the producer uh, of Robin Hood Origins has just said a really funny statement. Go on, what is it? Um, just talking about... Is it there's no need to, to reboot uh, Robin Hood except for this one we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, he said this is the reason why we are doing it. He said that it will do for bows and arrows what John Wick did for guns. What? What? what does that mean? <laughs> that does no, That means nothing. What? What? It, that that doesn't mean it. Hang on. Does Robin Hood's dog die? Is that what he's saying? <laughs> <laughs> Robin Hood went on his crusade because the dog because died. The dog's dead. That's exactly what happened. Although that dog John Wick is so cute. It's, it's the best. She really was, wasn't she? But uh, yeah, it was Beagle. It was Beagle. 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 I think it was Beagle. I think it was Beagle puppy. Yeah, but, yeah. it was. Freaking adorable. It was. I so can't wait for John Wick 2. I can't wait. Have, have you soon. seen the greatest tweet in the world, by the way? Uh, no. What is Simon Barrett, the writer oh, of The maybe, Guest. Oh, maybe I have seen this. Yeah. He has tweeted from, he tweeted from the John Wick 2 premiere. What's, what's the guy's name? Simon Barrett. <gasps> yes, yeah. I did see he this. He tweeted from yeah. the John Wick 2 premiere that Gary Busey was in attendance just as an yes. audience member, saw Keanu Reeves enter the room and shouted, Hey, Utah! And got a response. And that is what, what, what did Keanu do? I don't know, but I want to see I'm the so footage happy. of it. You know that's on YouTube somewhere, or it's going to turn up. I'm going to find it. It's going to have to. You just know that's that clip is going to be on there. And do you know what? It's nice that some so many people still care about Point Break, because I feel like it's a neglected film now. But, I really want to... I've not seen that for so oh, long. Man. Have you got anything remotely positive? To, caught my first tube today, sir. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, uh, easy war child easy i am i am all out Are you all out i'm all out oh this. man i'm, I'm all sh- done I, I can't remember what else is happening today um oh actually i didn't talk about this uh denis villeneuve oh yeah he's gonna be directing dune yeah this has been kicking around for a few weeks it was a yeah. rumor it's, it's officially it's... confirmed yeah do you know what if anyone anyone can make that work 
you think? It's, it's Denis. Fair play. Denis oh, Denis could actually so make that work. I think... I, I, I'm intrigued to let him try. The only thing that would make me, make me you know, like not want this to happen would be that we don't see him doing a Batman film, because he is also on my <laughs> shortlist, which is Very crazy, true. but what you think about it, he'd be amazing. It's very true. I've got a couple... Actually, yeah. If he did... Because he could basically cement himself as the new Nolan. Yeah. With a Batman Absolutely, movie. yeah. Although, you know, he'd be stuck with a far worse, you know, state of play to begin with. Maybe you don't do that, then. Maybe you give him someone else. Maybe you give him... Maybe give him Cyborg something. Yeah, something like that'd be intriguing. Um, mm. I've got news of a uh, Leonardo DiCaprio project. Oh, yeah, but yeah. The Black Hand, which is uh, based on a, a real story of a real NYPD officer who took on an, an Italian gang who was uh, who were laying siege to New York and mm. would eventually become the Mafia. They, right. they were basically the progenitors of what of, we now of, know as the mafia. the mafia. It's called The Black Hand, and Leo's going to be uh, producing and starring in it. So, so this is his first film post-Oscar? Because he's, he's, he's had a it year... Be, yeah. He's had a year just, you know, living on yacht with supermodels. Spe- speaking of, Courtney Love. Um, <laughs> I'm being what? ironic. I'm being Tangent. ironic. Courtney Love has gotten an acting role, which is increasingly rare, for good reason. And uh, I don't know, Man on the Moon. Uh, she was good in Man on the Moon, oh, to be fair. Yeah. She is going to be playing the mother in a Menendez Brothers TV movie. Which, okay. Okay. That's fair enough. I, that was a very 90s story, the Menendez Brothers thing, isn't mm. it? I just remember it being, isn't it brought up in uh, uh, Dumb and Dumber? I believe I'm sure so. the first Dumb and Dumber movie mentions the Menendez Brothers. What do you mean first? There was only one Dumb and Dumber film. Oh, there is, there is only yeah. one. Yeah, totally. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Oh, there's a Netflix movie. Um, I've got to talk to you about this. Yeah. Right. So bear in mind the Emoji movie comes out this year. Netflix are going ahead with their own movie. I think it, I've just heard about this as yeah, well. Yeah, it's called the Eggplant Emoji. Right. And it is a... That's, that's a penis. Yeah. It? it is a bromantic comedy about a group of friends in the woods on a camping trip, right. and one of them accidentally severs his penis, and they must... <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's... Yeah. Guess better. Producers on this include Ben Stiller, Adam Devine, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, and Kyle Newercheck. So Incredible. basically, Ben Stiller and the dudes from Workaholics, Workaholics. are producing this film. Yeah. And Workaholics starring in it as well, because it seems like perfect. perfect I feel film. like they could, but it's not been confirmed yet. It's a Netflix movie. They Apparently there was a real bidding war for it, and Netflix <laughs> came out on top. So I mean, It's a pretty good premise. It, it's a great premise, isn't it? Like, yeah. This, it's just going to be the Severed Penis movie. That, that's all oh, it's yeah. getting called. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm totally on board with that. But yeah, so the, the eggplant emoji. So look forward to that. <laughs> is that is that what it's going to be called? It's called the eggplant emoji. Yeah, that's amazing. That's brilliant. You can just <laughs> you can see the hashtag now. <laughs> it's literally, just going to be the eggplant, eggplant emoji. emoji. I'm good with that. If it's just like that's a, funny, if you get like a the movie poster is just going to be like the cast and then a single eggplant emoji and no title. What I think will be even better as well in like a year's time when both that and the emoji weaver out, mm. just some like ill-informed parents just accidentally putting <laughs> the eggplant emoji film on for the kids. I'm good with that. I'm good. Yeah. It's going to be like what was the there was an animated film years ago that in the US got screened in cinemas and kids went to see it and they got shown uh, Hills Have Eyes two instead. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you'll be surprised how often things like that happen. I remember you telling me, actually. Yeah. I'm sure it was the last time we brought up that story. Um, it wasn't the cinema I worked in, but it was it was part of a chain. Um, I forget what the kids' film was, but the film that was put on was uh, was Django Unchained. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but and kids that, really appreciate that, that. That opening, like, five minutes. Oh. For some reason, like, the parents didn't come out until, like, 
they saw something pretty bad. My favourite thing was I, I grew up in the Middle East and they don't have film ratings there. Oh, been well, they didn't then, anyway. Yeah. Um, they didn't have copyright until 1995. Anyway, <clears throat> genuine thing. Um, so you could take children to see movies, and they'd been censored by the by the curating ministry for sexual content, and that was it. Violence, they were cool with, mm. and they would let you see it at any age. And we didn't realise this, because we t- my friends and I took my younger sister to so many movies that we only discovered when we returned to the UK were completely inappropriate. So my sister went to the cinema at, like age 9 or 10, to see Saving Private Ryan and Ransom, for example. And That's a crazy mix. Yeah, these are the kind of things she was allowed to see, and General's Daughter was another one. Yeah. And it's not until you came back in the UK and you know you saw like the, the video box with the actual BBFC logo and you're like, holy crap, that was an 18. <laughs> Didn't know. Because Ransom was an 18, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Saving Private Ryan was a 15, I want to say. Really? I'm sure. I'm not sure if that one got reclassified later on, but as far as I know, Saving Private Ryan was a 15 for the That's, opening alone. Surely, for the opening alone, that should be an 18. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out because I don't think it's an 18, um, but I know it's it's higher than a 12. I think so. Hang on. Oh, it, it would absolutely be higher. Saving than a Private Ryan is a 15. 15. And it's a 15, but you can kind that of. Is a lo- That's, That's a some lot. heavy stuff in the first 15 minutes. But remember that Clerks is an 18 purely for language. So you yeah. really says something. And also look at films now and tell me that anything would be an eighteen for language. Yeah, if clerks come out now, that that would <laughs> be, be a twelve A. Be a twelve A if it came out now. <laughs> oh no, sorry, it would probably still be Salsa an eighteen because it's released by an indie distributor. So, so yeah. yeah. So they'd they'd push for We know how the MPAA really works. So. Thirty seven. Yeah, exactly. Not that for love, not the Jones. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, on which note, speaking from one bonkers 90s thing to another, here it is. Your moment of cage. I remember asking him, you know, can you give me some advice if I want to write a script? And he said, well, what is it that you're worried about? And I said, well, I want to make sure it has a beginning and a middle and an end. And he said, well, just if you start writing and stop writing, it's going to have a beginning and a middle and an end. <laughs> You know what? You're right. Okay. 